0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the bottom point podcast the show about sports business and the business of sports. We're doing our final episode of 2020, a year that most of us are happy to put behind us. I'm coming in from Seattle, Washington, where no local owns an umbrella or is brave enough to take it out.
1: <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is Mike McPhee from Denver, Colorado where we have 300 plus days of sunshine and no local owns an umbrella because they don't need it.
2: And happy holidays, everyone. Uh, this is Anand Punjabi coming to you from London, England, where uh, this week it's been too windy to even carry an umbrella because if you did, it would uh, quickly leave your hands.
0: Today on the on Point podcast, we are going to wrap up the year with our year in review show, but with an eye on the future and the impact 2020 has had on sports, and what it means for business of sports next year, but also in the decades to come. Some say necessity is the mother of invention. I would like to change that slightly to challenging times are the mother of invention also. And we're seeing that across all industries, and in sports, it's no different. So adjust the volume on your device, the game is starting. Here we go. Mike, Anand, welcome back. Yes, Here's sir. our uh, our, final show, our final show of the year. So how is everybody doing? How do you guys feel about where 2020 left us yes. or is leaving us?
1: You know, we're uh, interesting close up to the year. You know, one of the things I thought I'd share with you guys and our listeners is putting a lens on this year around, around sporting events. I'd have to say I probably went to my first professional sporting event, some, something like I was age two, three, or four years old. And I probably never went a calendar year without ever seeing a pro sporting event <laughs> until this yeah. year. Live. live, live, that is right. Yeah, live. Like yeah. It's just part of my family culture and, and then our interest in everything. So yeah, from probably age two or three till now, I never went a calendar year without, and I didn't see anything in the first what, 75 days before everything shut down, just didn't hit the calendar. So interesting little quirk.
0: Yeah, for me, it's kind of interesting because uh, the way the year unfolded earlier on, and sort of how things just came about. I mean, I don't know if we would have had this podcast if the pandemic didn't maybe. happen. Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, so it's kind of interesting how that all evolved, and we all had a little more time on our hands to, I guess, think about things that uh, we could be doing. Me, you know, for me personally, I'm uh, very happy about that 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 we launched it. Um, you know, in a way you know Anand I've known you now for over 25 years probably right yeah, so that's it was a right. nice way to kind of reconnect Re- through to this reconnect. podcast Mike yeah, yeah yeah absolutely Mike I've known you less but your wife for almost 20 years as well which is Ooh. which is sort of interesting you know how we all came came together and launched this thing so you know I look at it as uh, as kind of a you know glass half full and the opportunities that we've uh, you know used and gained uh, you know throughout this year so I will uh, I will celebrate that
2: Glad, I should remind you, it it's actually thirty years, come to think of it, because we're twenty twenty and uh I met you <laughs> in the library at uh, nineteen ninety. Right. At Lounger Library there at Georgetown. So it's it's been a while. It's been a while.
0: There you go. <laughs> wow. It's <laughs> a while. Many gray hairs ago, yeah, right oh on between you and me. Uh, uh, yeah. That's right.
2: I'm all gray. You're you're kinda kinda there as well. Anyway. Uh for me for me the defining thing this year for me has to be uh my my first love Liverpool FC finally winning the Premier League after a 30 year wait uh coincidentally Okay I've been going to watch them play at Anfield since I moved to the UK in December 97 December 96 I've gone to multiple games every season and it's kind of hard to believe that finally the first year of my adult life where they have accomplished what we consider to be the Holy Grail, I haven't been able to get into the stadium to uh, to sing sing their name as champions or to congratulate them winning. I went to the games up until March. In fact, I went to the last top flight game when Liverpool played Atletico Madrid in the Champions League and got knocked out of the Champions League in March. And then that was it. So Liverpool won the mm. the league... After the break uh the pandemic break and and i haven 't been back in the stadium right. so that's that 's been tough for me, i right. guess, as a supporter if i 'm supposed to take a personal note uh, on what sports has meant for me this year yeah
0: now many many uh, many of us have been impacted by this year for sure. So one of the things that we wanted to focus on during during this show is reflect not just on the top stories but on the top stories that we think are really going to transform sports in the in the future. We all three of us kind of came out thinking putting a list together of you know various discussions and really things that will be super impactful. And so each of us kind of picked a uh, a story that, that we're going to focus on and uh, talk about how it's going to impact not just 2021, but in the future, how it's going to impact sports, uh, operations, revenue of sports, how it's going to impact viewers. One of the primary things of us selecting these three stories was how they are multi-tiered. Like everything else in life, nothing is linear and singularly impactful on one aspect mm-hmm. of your life, it impacts a lot of different things. And so these three stories that we picked, will um, will focus on that as well. So when we come back, we're going to kick off our stories and look at their year in review and what it means for sports in the future as well.
2: Folks, welcome back. So as, uh, as Vlad uh, has shared with all of us, we're going to do uh, a little review this year on what we think have been the big The three big stories from our personal points of view this year, not just on how it was in 2020, but how we think what happened in 2020 will have an ongoing impact uh, next year, the year after, and maybe, maybe a further decade down the line. I'm going to talk a little bit about media and the rapidly changing landscape on where the revenues are going in sports media. Uh, where are people watching their sports these days? Are we going to see dramatic shifts or gradual shifts from where people used to watch their sports to new platforms and uh, and the sharing of the revenue as well? Uh, by way of a little bit of background, 2020 was a tough year for sports viewership. TV ratings were down dramatically uh, as the pandemic drastically changed viewing habits. Uh, I think the biggest impact uh, that we are all clearly uh, aware of is the calendar. Uh, Leagues were shut down. Entire sports were shut down, delayed in some cases and in good case scenarios. uh, Some leagues were delayed in bad case scenarios. Some leagues were completely canceled. The NBA and NHL seasons finished in in a contrived bubble. Generally went pretty well, particularly the NBA. Big one there, March Madness, the billion-dollar event was canceled. Uh, the Premier League was effectively wrapped up before the pandemic, but uh, then again, they had a two-month break and resumed after that. Uh, some numbers, you know, I found some numbers that uh, really kind of proved how bad things were from a viewership point of view. The Stanley Cup Finals, guys, viewership was down over 60% this year uh, compared to last year. 60 percent's a lot. You know, fewer than half the people who normally right. watch the Stanley C- Cup Finals, they, they didn't they didn't show up, they didn't watch uh the nba finals were down 50%. I understand that these were played in September and October which you know clashed with the start of the nfl season. Uh and that just goes to show you that the schedule changes created a significant impact in in uh, the numbers watching. I guess we need to talk about really was this a one off? Was this a covid thing? Was this a pandemic thing where We had to stop for a while. Leagues had to adapt. They had to pivot. They had to find new ways of trying to keep things going. And as a result, the schedule was all over the place. Or do we think that, you know, we've started some trends here or the pandemic has started some trends where we're going to see people watching sports in different ways? We talked about this in previous shows. The big one, I think, is cord cutting. Right? People are dumping their cable packages Mm -hmm. because they're all now, a lot of sports are now available in streaming. Viewing habits have changed. People are used to watching TV as and when they want to watch it. You want to watch a Netflix show, you can watch it at 6 p.m., 6 a.m., or 9 p.m. So I think people's mindsets are changing as to when they wish to watch any kind of TV. And I guess we have to accept that sports is also going to be watched in that way as well. How about Mike? Mike uh, and Vlad, did you find your viewing habits change as well when you're watching sports? Did you watch less sports? Yeah, I
1: would I would say yes, I did. And and I specifically uh, noted that, that the NBA being in September, October as those wrapped up was just, just didn't fit for me because that's a traditional football time and and i just couldn't find couldn't couldn't mesh all those activities at the same time i'm not traditionally a hockey guy so it's not something i watch a lot of but but definitely nba and, and and football clashed
0: yeah there was there was definitely a lack of um and you know i i don't think i don't think the leagues did anything wrong here it was just kind of the nature of where things were but there was a lack of sort of consistency right and that also occurred as you know the pandemic kind of spiked and went down and spiked again and that kind of thing we were all wondering what a bubble was going to look like i think the leagues were trying to figure out how to execute a bubble i think in some cases it worked very successfully i i think in most cases it worked very successfully but they were also very expensive but it kind of led to these you know shorter windows and just like mike was saying different time of the year and and i think people maybe mentally were just kind of predisposed to think of Football in the fall, basketball later, and they all kind of started clashing. They were all that's right, all at the same time, um, yeah, which yeah. which made it
2: really difficult. I think, yeah, and well, you know, as the eyeballs can only be in one place at one time, typically, so so something had to give. I wanted to use the NFL as an example. This is a multi-tiered thing, right? We're talking about where the eyeballs are going now. Are we seeing more people watching on their laptops, on their phones, as 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 we think? My understanding is that the money isn't necessarily the pot isn't actually sh- isn't actually shrinking. If we look at the NFL, for example, which is obviously you know the, the giant and the big boy in the room, most industry experts say that when the NFL rights package comes up for uh, renewal in twenty twenty two, they're not going to ask for less money because we had a pandemic this year, right? They're going to be asking for a lot mm-hmm. more money, mm-hmm. and the consensus is, ESPN, who currently pay two billion dollars a year for their Sunday ticket, are going to be asked to pay another billion dollars, okay? So this is per year, right? Wow. So they're going to be asked to pay $3 billion. And the, the big three uh, broadcast networks who currently pay roughly $1.1 billion per year are going to ask to pony up another additional billion. So $2 billion each from uh, NBC, ABC, CBS, and then $3 billion from from ESPN for the new rights package in, in 2022. So there's more money washing around. But now the question I want to ask uh, Mike, for example, we talked about this a lot, is if ESPN, for example, is losing millions of subscribers year on year, people are cutting the cord from their cable packages, people are watching broadcast TV less than they did before, they're on their phones more, they're on their tablets more, they're watching streaming services more, how are they going to be able to sustain their finances if the NFL and presumably other the other leagues will follow suit and be asked to pay substantially more for their rights do you think this is sustainable it seems to be it seems to be a candle burning at both ends there
1: yeah i think you're pointing to something that could be it just doesn't stand up to reason maybe maybe what's going to happen here is going to have margin compression um, whether they're, that's going to make a change in their balance sheet, I think a second thing that's going to happen is that they're going to have to offset their losses on the cable platforms with offering the you know second screen, you know digital other things that that offset that, um, and then and then third, what's going to happen is that I think at the league level, their content is going to continue to uh, be at a premium. So it's kind of like this is the This is what you got to pay to get in if you want this and stay relevant.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I'm wondering how this is playing itself out. So let's say, you know, a Fox or an NBC or a CBS pushes their content or acquires the rights to broadcast some of these games. How much of that content is actually going to be pushed through their regular, you know, see your local CBS Fox channel versus also through the apps, right? And those apps could sit on you know different devices. Uh, it can sit on a phone. It can sit on an iPad. It can even, you know, sit like inside Apple TV, for instance, mm-hmm. which which we've seen, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if this is a little bit of the NFL, and and in this case, we're only addressing NFL. I'm sure others are kind of thinking about similar stuff because we did see recently that the SEC just upped their contract quite a bit with. Um, ESPN. Who was it with sorry um, with the ESPN. My, I'm, with right, ESPN, right, and 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 so I'm wondering, I'm you know, wondering if this is a bit of of you know, and you know, the NFL signaling kind of you know, we're going to be started asking for more money because you're collecting now revenue potentially through apps, which is a lower cost you know, item for you as well. So it, it's going to shape up very interestingly, and then you've got people like. Amazon coming into the play, um, I think Nickelodeon is going to be broadcasting, <laughs> a, uh, you know, a, a match yep. um, sometime soon. Um, so it's interesting to see how that's going to play itself out. And and I wonder if they're also giving hints to others who are trying to get into the game of, uh, you know, bidding for these games, kind of a, a a sense of where they need to be if if, if they want to be the winner. And which is which is very interesting to me, I
2: think. Well, the rights holders, as you say now, personally, I feel the money is going to follow the eyeballs. So the eyeballs are really on the Internet right now. And who's controlling the Internet? Big tech. So Amazon already has the rights to some big sports leagues around the world. Uh, Mike, I think uh, you mentioned that they've got Formula One Israel right coming in or they're talking
1: about that. I think they've got something brewing there. Yeah, the, the big tech is 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 the big guy looming over this space. I believe so as well.
0: Yeah, for, Formula One announced that they were in some discussions, some serious discussions about streaming, also, which which is another indication that you know everybody's kind of looking at this channel as a. As a new way to broaden their their exposure, but at the same time, I, I think over the last year we've seen, or the last several years, uh, we've seen some data, Mike, on these broadcast network not being able to deliver the kind of viewership that, that they have in the past too, right? Yeah. So I mean, they're probably very stressed out about okay, now I got to pony up 50, you know fifty percent more for the rights of this you know one league, and others likely, right? Yeah. How am I going to make it up, and where am I going to make it up? Yeah.
1: That's where I think we said that while they're still Options for our legacy viewing experience, and you can get it in either platform. People aren't going to switch. But the moment you cut off that spigot to the legacy space, so cut off the CBS. Free broadcast. You're, you'll go find it if that's the game you want to watch, and you'll go grab it on Prime, and you'll go grab it on YouTube TV or whatever it is.
2: Well, the supply the supply is limited, right? The it's, the supply for these pro sports games is limited. So when you have an inelastic supply, uh, demand, uh, you know, price price will go up if the demand is there, and I think demand is always going to be there, just based on fan loyalty, tradition, I suppose. And it's just a question of where the channel where, where where's it just the channels will change you know the the way in which people consume their sports is going to change my conclusion my my point i think really is that big tech is going to enter the market maybe not in a big way in the next one or two years because it's very hard to you know just give up watching the sunday game on the, on the big screen you know with 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 jittery streaming issues and that type of thing but over time we can be sure that these cash rich big tech companies who've got you know maybe half a trillion dollars in cash waiting to be deployed are going to muscle into uh into watch in, into the sports arena into the pro sports uh, broadcast arena
0: yeah and, and I, th- I think you're right I think big tech is is entering the, the one area I would I would disagree I think they are going to go all in on this uh, or, or big time maybe not all in but they're gonna go big time YouTube is already you know, put itself as a big provider of, you know, content. I think they're trying to kind of fight the uh, cable industry, if, if you will. I think one of the interesting uh, aspects of, of this is what happened in Colorado, Mike, recently, right? Where your local games are not being shown on your local channels, right? That's right. And I think there's going to be a power play in terms of the distribution of, of this and sort of how all that plays itself out is going to be interesting. But streaming is coming and it'll be transformative. I think uh, we're going to start seeing more and more things happen in 2021 and beyond that will further, I think, deteriorate our sort of, you know, standard business model of uh, showing showing sports on, you know, regular TV.
1: You know, when we put the final, my final thought on is I think as a consumer, we're going to be fragmented. And I think we're going to see that more and more. And you're going to have to each week find a way to, to maybe look into a different space to watch that week's game. Not sure if that's winning, but that might be what's on the the very near-term horizon. We will watch and see. We will watch and see.
0: All right. Well, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to tackle our second big story of the year that's going to be super impactful for the sports industry going forward, and that's sports gambling.
2: Yeah, that's a big one.
1: We are having a blast crafting this show and are so grateful for our listeners that tune in each and every week. We aim to bring you interesting stories opinions and yes sometimes a hot take or two as we analyze and discuss the business angles to the dynamic global sports scene just like any team sport we could use an assist or two in helping us get out our show to more listeners i bet you didn't know that we have listeners in 27 states that's a great start but we know there's more out there that would dig our show so if you don't mind drop us a dime and pass us along to your neighbor fantasy sports league or that weekend warrior buddy of yours that never misses a 5k And make sure you have subscribed too, so that you never miss a show. We appreciate you. Keep on listening, send us some feedback, and stay on point, my friends. All right, we're back. Thanks, Anand, for that uh, kickoff on the media-changing landscape. Uh, Let's talk about sports gambling in our second, we think, uh, shaping story, where a lot happened in 2020. We think a bunch will happen in twenty one, and then and then out and beyond. So we've talked about this in a couple of our shows, where it seems like legislation has been one of the big dominoes that has fallen of late and has opened up this uh, this doorway for for gambling in the states. But let's be real, the pandemic is is uh, is allowing for or or kind of enabling this this new permission slip to to seek new revenue streams from with with gambling being uh, you know a big one there. So let's dissect this gambling. Story. Story, just as we said from the top. Let's look at it in a couple different levels. Let's look at, it at the media. We'll dig into leagues, uh, guys. Let's let's talk teams, and then what this means for us as viewers. Um, yep. So, yeah. so let's, let's kind of using that as our framework, you know, betting on games is, is becoming the new normal. And, and we're seeing that with, um, with the broadcasts that, and, and what broadcast partners are are, are doing. Um, so broadcast partners, big media, they're, 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 they're partnering with points bet. They're partnering with FanDuel, with DraftKings, all the different folks are, they're buying up their TV um, advertising they're putting um, deals in the little riders underneath you know the scores across the you know the spn stream across the bottom where you've got yeah. the live stream of scores and,
0: and even inside arenas we've we've seen ads now pop pop up inside arenas for fan duel and others as well
1: that's right so so they're partnering with the broadcast partners they're getting in with the leagues. Um, and, and we're, we're seeing that uh, it started with bubble sports, um, that from this fall, and now it's just kind of ubiquitous. Um, we're seeing it, uh, at the team level where we're seeing patches on practice jerseys. Uh, we've seen that overseas, you know, where they've got big sponsorships across their jerseys, but here domestically that's coming this way. We're seeing the courts, we're seeing the basketball stanchions, we're seeing the digital ads all with, uh, different, uh, gambling sites. Um, and then, you know, just kind of it's become everywhere, guys. You've seen this in what you've watched, right? As we talked viewership just a few moments back, but it was in everything you guys turned on over the fall too. Would you say so?
0: Yeah, I would. I would totally agree. You know, on the on the media level and kind of at the at the league level, uh, you know, you are you're definitely seeing some some inno- innovation, quote unquote innovation there. You know, meaning it's it's entering every sphere of our of our lives. I've also seen NBC, which has a number of different apps, including one that, like youth sports, uses to organize you know, it's leagues and, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they are created and they've created an app that's, that's powered by Points Bet, right? Which is basically a betting app, right? Um, I think we saw the athletic is going to, um, uh, or is looking to hire people, right? To pro- possibly create its own, uh, sports betting website, right? Uh, others are emerging. Uh, you know, we have DraftKings, we have bet MGM Betting. I mean, this world is just kind of Seeping into into uh, sports because, let's face it, sports has had a uh, tough, tough, a tough revenue year, and and that probably won't be solved in the the next twelve to twenty four months.
2: Well, this was triggered back in twenty eighteen, right? We had this Supreme Court ruling allowing for Bingo. sports gambling to Bingo. to expand uh, nationwide outside of uh, New Jersey, Nevada, right? Bingo. So So this is obviously not a an event uh, or a trend started by the pandemic but we we can attribute some of the acceleration clearly to the fact certain that certain accelerated by it. people yeah. are sitting at home uh, all the time and so this is just another form of entertainment i mean i use that word very cautiously but people do view gambling some people view gambling as just another entertainment form so uh you know i'm not saying i'm not saying that's how we view it but the, the pandemic certainly accelerated that, obviously. Yeah.
0: Well, one one thing that I'm also just going to call call out here because, you know, I, I think collectively here we don't think this is necessarily a good thing. But, you know, you're you're never going to see the word betting around. You're never going to see the word, you know, gambling around. You're going to start seeing words like, you know, sports book. And you know, challenge your sports knowledge or you know team knowledge, and you know it'll it'll be more about that kind of stuff, picks. right? Which picks is, is, word which I is I what I see. A lot, right,
1: get your picks in. Get yeah. your picks exactly, right? Yeah, right, yeah. And what happens? Let's let's also just rewind a little bit, guys, is because I think we can map this out. Is that well, it happens to be a local story from here. It was the first university that partnered with a gambling uh, company as well here at University of Colorado, right? We 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 dug into that deal in several shows back. But their their partnership with Points Bet has a couple couple of things we've already mentioned. So there's gonna be court side ads, there'll be there'll be ads during the broadcast. but then they've also embedded in with the university where there's job opportunities for students. So there's they've got all kinds of craziness for at the college level. Um and and so yeah. we've seen this thing proliferating pro down to college. And I think we'd even speculated, you know, we'll see this into households potentially even younger than that. Um, so it, it has gone from, uh, something we saw overseas and something we saw in Veda and in Vegas and, and on the East coast. And now it's going to be everywhere.
2: I guess it's not, it shouldn't be particularly surprising because the nature of the nature of sports, it's statistics driven. Yes. It's, it's, it's micro event driven. You know, you look at every sport we forget about gambling for a moment, you know, Sports fans, many of them love stats, right? We've already talked about data. So this is a, 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 you know, a micro-statistic-driven environment and industry now, which lends itself you know, by nature to creating odds uh, on events. And there are so many microscopic events out there that it's almost a, a ready-made platform for these betting companies just to come in and, and, and take advantage of.
1: Yeah, I think that's part of the play. Fractionalizing it, right?
2: They don't they don't have a lot of work to do really. They don't have to create too many too many, you know, uh, concepts because they're already there.
0: Yeah, I I think that's a nice nice way of nice way of putting it. I think most people don't necessarily go to their Excel spreadsheet to f- figure out their odds. I mean, some certainly do, but yeah, for the most part, I think you know, most of the folks kind of you know are doing this as kind of a gut feeling or because they have an an emotional connection to their team right, and they're making yeah, bets yeah. based on their beliefs rather than understanding of sort of how how all this works but but mike i mean like like you said on the media level and on the league level, we're already seeing this sort of seep through uh you mentioned the University of Colorado deal with points bets, so we're seeing it on the team level you know across Europe on and and asia right I mean we've seen. Team names are now changing, right? Whether sort of you know adding the sort of the, the yeah, you know the, the name of the betting platform within the name of the team, you're seeing kind of big ads on jerseys. I know there's a push to kind of not allow that across the board, also. But the point here is that at, at some level, that type of innovation is coming to the U.S. and is going to be very impactful. Um, for our society. And, you know, that's going to carry some positives on kind of, you know, general sort of local tax revenue or state tax revenue. But at the same time, it'll also have a very uh, strong negative impact on on us as a society as people try to, you know, figure out how to deal with gambling and personal loss and, you know, that kind of stuff.
2: We've seen it in Europe. Obviously, I live here in the UK. And as I've mentioned in previous episodes, gambling is just part of the sports culture here the word bet is used ubiquitously everywhere you know i think most betting companies have the name bet you know in their branding and that branding is 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 splattered everywhere so mike have you vlad mentioned that you haven't seen the word bet uh, have you have you seen have you seen that word, for example, in any of the advertising you've seen?
1: Not, not. That must not be part of our culture. Is maybe yeah. one of the ways they're they're working their way around it. I, I don't see that. I, I know what you're talking about overseas, but no, I haven't seen it here on on sure, signage sure, or anything. Sure. Yeah.
2: Well, if Europe's anything to go by, uh, you know, you're going to see spawn. You're going to see things in your face right now. It's probably still subtle because we're only, you know. A year plus maybe coming up to two years into uh, since the court decision, allowing these companies now to start doing something uh, you know with the opportunity. Uh, I can only see this just, just getting bigger and bigger uh, and more more in the fans' faces.
1: Guys, so I'm going to put a, just a, a bow on this, and, and then we can kind of keep going with the rest of our thing. So what I think we'll see in 2021 is just the obvious. We'll see it's legal in more states. And then I think we're going to see the continued proliferation of sponsorships uh, at, across all teams, where it's going to be on every single team uh, that we watch on TV and, and, and our, on our televisions. And then I think next we're going to see even a lot more university deals. So it's just going to continue and continue and continue. I don't see anybody pumping the brakes.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right, Mike. And uh, it's going to be something to watch. And I think it's going to transform sports for sure. And what that means in the future, you know, we we don't know yet. But uh, but it's uh, but it's coming, and things are going to look very different. So no doubt another one for uh, for the future all right so um, our last but not least uh, important item that we uh, picked here um, I'm gonna kick us off here so this is the name image and likeness story in college sports which um, really kind of uh, I think this year was uh, making its way through the through the news news cycle um, obviously uh, a couple of states have made some you know Laws and regulations about the name, image, and likeness. Uh, a couple of years ago, but 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 this year, uh, one of the newest stories around this uh, topic is that the Supreme Court has decided to take up kind of how this case is going to be passed through the system, if you if you will. And it's really going to trickle down to what it means how athletes are making money, what it means how colleges are able to use their, this to their advantage or, you know, disadvantage. And it's uh, going to impact sports quite a bit. Um, one of the things is the three of us have kind of looked at sports in general. We have noticed, obviously, that, you know, most people classify sort of professional sports and college sports um, in sort of those two buckets. But as we've Looked at revenues and how much money some of these college sports make. There's very little that distinguishes them <laughs> from oh, a yeah. professional organization, yeah. right? And They're and I think this nil uh, law is just kind of catching us up to the reality of of where things are. And I'm 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 all for it. So uh, some big things to watch out in 2021, uh, July 1st. The law becomes effective in the state of Florida. Officially, it doesn't become effective in California, I think, until 2022. But uh, what the NCAA and the other sort of leagues and conferences will probably have to do is kind of go to the lowest denominator, which in this case will be Florida. And so we've already seen some colleges are raising sort of the red flag saying, This is a risk on our revenue. We don't know how big, but we know that it's coming. We specifically saw University of Washington here here in Seattle has, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, put out some documents around that. And they're basically telling their, you know, board of governors, uh, we we don't know what this means, but it's going to be super, super important. Mike, Anand, really quickly, your thoughts on uh, name, image, and likeness and uh, what this means for sports in 2021 and further?
1: Yeah, Vlad, I think this is is here. I think 2021 is going to be an impactful year with the, the state of Florida and different states, California. We're going to see some legislation passed. We're going to see some athletes taking advantage of that. And then we might even hear new terms around this is that are some athletes 1099s which is equivalent of a contractor or if scotus you know with that supreme court case uh upends the definition of amateurism then are employees going to be w2 employees and do they get uh different benefits associated with that so i think there's going to be this this uh this wrapper around college athletes in 2021 with a whole new language uh around it what do you think uh on
2: you know when we first talked about this topic six, eight weeks ago, I really couldn't get my head around the concept of, you know, college students being paid to do their to you know to play sport, right? Why why should the why shouldn't an, effectively an amateur um be paid, you know, that they're in college, they're there to get a degree. Yes, okay, maybe the degree is secondary for many of them. I get that. You know, the scholarship guys in particular. But I've come to understand that, hey, you know, as we've discussed many times, n c a a football, if we just take it on its own is bigger than the vast majority of sports leagues around the world right okay in terms yeah. of the in terms of the size of the ecosystem in terms of the revenues generated by t v broadcasting merchandising ticket sales, you know everything that goes into a professional sports league or even just a sports on its own it is it is a giant you know uh n c a a sports is is a giant industry you know worth multiple billions of dollars bigger than the vast majority of other leagues around the world in any sport that you can think of if soccer is the number one sport around the world okay it's probably only the english premier league that that has more revenue than than the ncaa uh sports right now so yeah and, and who are the stars of the show the athletes just like in professional sports so i guess it's time to acknowledge that right um, we have to somehow figure out a way in which to compensate the athletes uh, who effectively are the revenue generators. If the coaches yeah. can earn ten million dollars a year, right? Well, I guess some of that has to trickle down.
0: Yeah, and just as we were getting ready to to you know record this this show, there's a there's a there's a story that came across through through Forbes. So Chloe Mitchell, she's a freshman volleyball player at Aquinas College in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. She has officially become the first collegiate athlete to monetize on her brand uh, through through social media. So so this college is uh, part of the NAIA, you know, division of college sports. Dave. They've had some looser rules around, you know, how the athletes can 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 um, monetize their name, image, and likeness. But but Mitchell has 2.6 million viewers on TikTok, 26,000 followers on Instagram, another five six thousand on, you know, YouTube, and and she's already creating and earning money off of um, off of this. And I think you know she's a freshman, right? So she's been in college only for what three months, if even, right? And so you're gonna start seeing this in twenty twenty one and further I think there's gonna be a, a proliferation of businesses kind of trying to figure out how to get their brand out there, you know, as these, you know, trend setters are setting the the tone for, for you know sports. ESPN estimates that High-profile college athletes, so sort of the all-American level, can make anywhere between half a million to two million bucks a year. That an average, quote-unquote, average collegiate athlete can make between 75 to 100 grand a year. And there's probably a a, a slew of people who can make, you know, 10, 20, 30 grand, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is going to be very interesting, I think, and it's really going to change the landscape of uh, things.
2: Have they mentioned how the compensation will be paid out? Uh, you know, I, I, they're not. Are they going to earn a salary? Are they going to earn a rights, rights? No, no, no. They're kind?
0: they're probably going to you know set up their their own LLC to you know be a sponsor for you know Papa John's Pizza or Subway sandwiches or. Or some, you know, kind of, you know, clothing or something. I don't know. I mean, I'm making things up, right? Right. But right. things along those lines, where you know, you get paid, let's say, a fee to, you know, uh, you know, promote for a year or six months and create X amount of posts or, you know, X amount of engagements, right? And, and all of those will be will be paid once they are, you know, completed. So it'll so be these are some deals, form of uh, arrangement like that. I would, got I would it, imagine. Got
2: it. Okay. Okay. I'm with you.
1: Well, Vlad, let's 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 throw a little curve. Let's bolt on one part to this because NIL um, amateurism, I think, is another part. As we've talked over this fall, is that I think there's going to be uh, that we've seen the 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 monies at basketball. We've seen the monies in football. Let's spotlight that for just a second. But I would argue here, Vlad, we might see a whole lot more changing on the NCAA landscape. Um, and, yeah. and so we've talked in football. Uh, I don't know if most people know this, but but in the NCAA, at Division I, um, it's called now, what, FCS, Football Championship Series Football, um, they've been outside of the NCAA for 22 years. I didn't know that till I researched it. So the money is outside the NCAA, but the eligibility is governed by the NCAA. Then, right. then we've got right. the Power Five schools that have been separating even more and more um, with their bowl series, with the Rose Bowl, Sugar, all different things. There was 550 million dollars paid out in in a recent year in 2018 and 19 around those five or six bowl games. I mean that's incredible money. That's um, just huge.
2: It's incredible. Huge money.
1: And by comparison, the other 33 bowl games combined were 100 million. You know, so, so five or six games, <laughs> 550. There's million. your 80-20 rule exactly. essentially, right? 80-20 rule, right? And then we already talked about the yeah. ESPN deal. So football's its own thing. We saw that the Knight Commission recommended that football break away, but we spotlighted, it says, yeah. if you break away football, what's a major university going to do? Well... Why wouldn't maybe basketball break away here, too? This is where I can just get a little speculative. But we saw with basketball tournament canceled, about a billion dollars in revenue was foregone this past spring. So I'd make the case here that just as football's got huge money around it basketball's got huge money all around it. And then we know from our research and and folks know this, these two sports are funding the rest of athletic programs, facility build outs, coaching staff, athletic staffs across the rest of university. Um, And, and there's, there's pressure there. And we've seen that from big schools. They've trimmed the non-revenue sports. You know, they're talking about uh, pulling back on expenses, recruiting different things. So, Gentlemen, I want to do a little bit of a look ahead that I think we'd love to hear your take on this, that I think we're going to have in 2021, we're going to see the moving of some tectonic plates where I think the NCAA, as we know it, may take on a new form.
0: Mike, I see that 100%. One of the things that I think this year has showed us is that there's a there's a, and we've highlighted this sort of, you know, maybe... Not consciously, but we've highlighted that, that there has been a stress and uh, you know challenging times on the revenue for sports leagues, for sports teams, yes. for you know everybody in this ecosystem, right? And so I think what they're going to try to do is is, is control the revenue, you know, as as much as they can. And so the football schools are now going to be like, okay, football is our big item here, right? How do we maintain that that you know revenue? How I don't want to share it with all the others. I don't want to be you know I don't want to be at the same level as you know some D one kind of you know school that's you know fifty and up right that's not even ranked. I, I don't want to be you know you know um, encumbered by those same rules as those schools are. And so I think I think this will just kick off and and the challenging and the challenges that NIL will bring to the to the schools through uh, you know basically. You know, Revenue leaving the schools and going to the athletes um, will bring, I think, some form of schism within the NCAA where there will be basically fiefdoms growing that will say, okay, you protect your revenue, I'm going to protect mine. And I, I predict that the NCAA is going to look very different five years from now. Um, uh, possibly even, you know, uh, two or three groups might might emerge out of this.
2: Do you think this will go to the Supreme Court like other things do? Because surely these smaller schools, the smaller sports schools are going to push back and uh, they're going to say, hold on a minute, this isn't how it was uh, set up originally, you know, uh, this, you know, you can't just you can't just unilaterally decide that we're going to ring fence you know these five conferences or these three conferences and say you know what this money is going to be ours and
1: we're going to decide what we do with it. Do you expect to see pushback, Mike? I I expect to. Yes, maybe not maybe make the Supreme battles. Court, but I see legal battles. Yes, because you're going to have a parting of the seas of the haves and the have-nots, um, and and it's all going to be about as we've talked all the time. Where's the money going to flow? And I think the the guys with the money are going to put up their fences around it, and that going to be and that's going to be at a. Power five conferences and rest. And then within universities, you're going to see maybe the football team and the basketball team break away from the non-revenue sports. So I think that could be a a, a tug of war there too, where now non-revenue sports are looking for funding. Where do they get it? If football and basketball say, no, we're keeping our money. Where does, you know, uh, men's track get um, their, their, their budgets? Um, I think it's going to be a lot of changes. And this next year will be, um, we'll see some big moving parts in that direction.
0: I think so. I think what, what you know anecdotally I've I've heard for instance that at Stanford and this is just, you know, one anecdote, so I don't I don't have a, you know, you know, direct line in exactly how this works there, but my understanding is that they have basically the uh, the athletic department is, is considered like its own profit center or its or or its own, you know, revenue revenue generating center and they're they're looking at it as an entity as as a financial sort of entity right and um and they're making decisions based on based on how that entity is going to perform financially right and that's why you saw them cutting you know those sports earlier in the year right, right? um and i can see other schools adopting a similar sort of perspective you know where the michigans of the world and the you know all the big 10 programs the sac programs are going to now look at it like Okay, you know, we have a big business in football, let's carve that out. We have a big business in basketball, let's carve that out. This other stuff, maybe it falls out of the NCAA and it all becomes sort of club sports that are self-financed or financed through sort of other means. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting and it's going to be messy. Uh, I
2: think that will suck Personally, that's my view. You know, I went to college and I enjoyed watching all my, all my, uh, all the teams and playing in my colors. You know, whether it was a soccer game, whether it was baseball, you know, whether yeah. it was women's lacrosse, which I had a great personal interest in as a as a as a freshman, <laughs> uh, freshman in in college. Uh, you know, you support your college, right? And to see these teams all of a sudden not necessarily be part of the athletic program uh, that, that, I think that would be a seismic change personally
1: yeah well I think I think you're right and and but we're going to see something happening here because I think the pressures are here they're not going away and the big money's here and not going away so um, that's my take on this big story guys I think it uh, we'll see some moving parts in 2021 that will set us up for the future
2: yeah that's a great story uh, Mike and Vlad big story I, uh, big story um, in a
0: college world so big one all right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Sonan. So when we come back, we're going to wrap it up with our final Come On Man of the Year.
1: All right, gentlemen, final Come On Man of the Year. We have to, uh, we, we're lucky enough with this story that we get to tap into our, our sports media look. Um, and and I'm going to just put this out there: is I I just don't know what to say. And, and I'm going to guess your guys' response. But here we go. January 10th, there's going to be an NFL playoff broadcast on the Nickelodeon channel. Yes, <laughs> folks, that same channel that brings you SpongeBob and all the other fun stuff. I've seen the pregame coverage menu. An NFL NFL playoff, there's a prime broadcast. This will be split broadcast between CBS and Nickelodeon. Um, and we're going to see different things like the SpongeBob sports band countdown special.
0: Um, oh, come on, man. <laughs> we're
1: we're going to see halftime segments that include Spongebob Squarepants, his pals building underwater campfires, catching wild jellyfish, and swimming in Lake Yucky Muck. These are the come ways on. that this has are we been gonna, described.
2: Are we, we going to see the Roadrunner and the Coyote as well? Because I'll, I'll tune in for that.
1: I... <laughs> You know, you're you're showing your age. That's there. Warner Brothers. Warner yeah, Brothers. Different age. Yeah, actually, that's true. That's so, true. Looney Tunes. for so right. Looney Tunes. As we think about media and new channels and new streaming, the NFL's getting creative with putting a broadcast on Nickelodeon, and I, I'm left speechless. Um, I can only say, um, come on, man. So <laughs> come on, man.
0: That, I would I would say on this one, you know, this is there. This is somebody in New York in some corporate level. This is some suit thinking up a way to how to. Uh, how to attract a younger audience to the uh to the love of the of the sport and they you know, somebody said, Let's go to Nickelodeon because that. that's where young kids hang out. Good luck with that. Um it'll be I mean, who knows, right? I think they're just sort of testing it out.
2: They're owned by Viacom C B S. So this is right. not okay. something where there you go. Uh, that's right. That's right. You know, they're, they're just switching channels, right? They they they've got the facility in place already. That's it is kinda of weird to see it on a cartoon style <laughs> network, right? I
1: get that. <laughs> So
2: that's the final one for the year, gents. Good one. That is actually, that is a real come on, man, I have to say.
0: All right. Well, gentlemen, uh, great year, great game. So thank you all for all your hard work. Uh, Looking forward to some interesting stories coming up in the next year. But uh, yeah, as we close off the year here, um, I'd like to, again, invite our listeners to subscribe, uh, post some, you know, commentary about our show, reach out to us. Our uh, contact information is in the show notes. Mike, Anand... Good game. Good
2: game. Good game guys. See you next year. Great game. See you next See you soon, year guys. Cheers. Cheers.